0: If you look at the European Union, where there's like 220 million buildings that were built before 2001, and mm-hmm. they are now being renovated at the speed of like 1% per year. Uh, there is uh, also the kind of unknowing, uh, like building owners don't exactly know what is the expected lifetime of a certain building. I'll, I'll do.
1: Ville from Nobody Engineering, welcome to the Shit You Wish your Building Did podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm super happy that you've uh, joined us because I think some of the stuff you guys are working on is really interesting and maybe that's a, a good place to start. Um, tell us what you guys are doing
0: so uh, we are working to integrate or, or we are building a solutions to integrate legacy building automation systems to different uh, real estate software solutions applications from our partners so so trying to bridge the old world of old control systems uh, from 80s 90s and early 2000s with uh, Things like energy optimization, indoor air quality optimization, demand response systems, and so on.
1: Okay. So, I mean, how would you, uh, with your experience, how would you typify or describe the um, systems interoperability integration um, that we see now? Like, what do you think the state of the market is regarding that?
0: Uh, well it's pretty challenging so actually the way how our story began was from from we came from uh, from this semantic web digital twin um, side of things and and the world where we thought that this could be easily uh, accomplished as a clean desk job uh, and uh, you were yeah, yeah that, that's what we thought and and basically. Uh, we uh, began working on this kind of a digital twin uh, solution and integrating, especially the building automation systems to this one platform for our pilot customer to to look energy efficiency and things like that. But we quite soon realized, I actually have some physical examples where we soon realized that for example this thing from the early 90s was a very common uh, common control system uh, i don't know if you ever heard events mm-hmm. yeah so they basically bought this is from this is a finnish system called AtmosTech, but it was bought by events which then was bought by by i think da systems or schneider but eventually mm-hmm. all it ended right. up in schneider's hands but those were very um, commonplace all over the, the buildings that we, we were trying to integrate. And, and what, what you're basically faced with is uh, getting the data out is somewhat like uh, possible using like uh, a modbus gateway in the IO bus of, of the building. Uh, but uh, the, the minute you want to actually control the system. And, and have like a scalable way of of, of um, not only in beforehand deciding like one thing that you might want to control in the building but actually have a full control over the automation system. That's when you start to have problems. And and it actually isn't solved with new systems that well either. Like there's obviously like everyone knows Spocknet and, 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 and this kind of protocols, but, mm-hmm. but they very often are actually designed to get data into the building automation system, and, but not really getting it out. So, so,
1: yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so you're ending up with this kind of, I mean, and you, you kind of referenced, right, that uh, mm-hmm. a client you were working with. So, you're ending up with these like different types of systems from different uh vendors, some are old. Yeah. I mean, that one you showed, right? I mean, what would be the expected end of life
0: uh for that? That was that reached end of life uh a few years ago, and the next version of that is reached end of life the beginning of this year. So, okay, so that. That, that that's particular uh, city owned building operator that was managing the city-owned schools and hospitals and uh, kindergartens and so on it had something like 40 50 percent of the entire installed automation stock in this particular system at the moment it went reached and life.
1: okay and then i mean as a, a customer i mean that's not a great scenario to be in, right? Like
0: um what's yeah well yeah it's it's especially now that we have like a shortage of 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 uh skilled workforce to install new things. We have shortage of semiconductors so we can't actually get the the new control system. So when your and when your kind of deferred maintenance backlog in terms of automation systems reach reaches a point that there isn't a vendor to, that could replace all of them at once. Like that's a very difficult position. And now that you we see the the skyrocketing energy prices, now it's a kind of a tough spot for, for many, many because that's not like energy optimization, like reducing energy consumption in a building is generally can can be like it's, it's not really rocket science as in you start to change the way the building is heated or cooled based on the amount of people there are you might factor in things like the weather forecast or the amount of uh, or the cost of energy or the production method of the energy and so on and that what gives you easily 20 30 savings
2: mm-hmm.
0: and now that today in Tampere, i'm i'm living the cost of 1 kilowatt is like 33 cents when it was or my my uh, fixed term energy or electricity contract that is still valid until march is like 5 cents so
1: wow okay massive increase but i mean that yeah. this is happening all over europe at the moment isn't it yes yes yeah absolutely and um... I mean, once so you describe sort of the scenario with with that client, why it's an issue. Mm. What what are they supposed to do about that? Okay, so obviously we've got these increasing increasing cost of energy. Um, mm. Also, and they I guess left with this scenario of like, okay, well we've got this old system. Like, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to have to pay more, or sorry, mm. pay to uh, um, totally replace it? Yeah, or, or what? Like, what are the scenarios for? For companies in that situation
0: yeah well that's kind of the, the there's a bottleneck and and uh, that's where we see our opportunity really like that's the, that that's when we realized the state of the industry in terms of how many legacy systems are out there we regularly visit cities and and and, and towns and, and and so on in, in finland and elsewhere where up to, or more than 65% of the installed automation system base is already reached end of life. So basically all of the, all these cities are just sitting on a huge pile of deferred maintenance backlog yeah. and they need to, in order that there's like 80, what 87 months until, uh, January, 2030, when all of them are promised to be <laughs> carbon neutral and, uh, and uh, and now you cannot get like a new CPU into a building automation system under nine months. So that's like a lot of, uh, is a very kind of challenging spot. So we uh, pivoted our, our company, We changed the, the, the name and we, we set up like the, the whole new uh, vision, and we recently also raised some VC uh, capital. to to solve this problem of integrating legacy automation systems with all these different service providers. So we are not ourselves um, providing energy optimization or any of that, but we are kind of like acting as a link or integration platform between um, old systems and and the software and system providers. Out there, we work with uh, companies like Lasselet, Tikanoia, and Theatre Ever, and so on, that uh, are already like have a long experience in, in uh, either energy optimization or real estate facility management.
2: Okay.
0: And in case of Theatre Ever, for example, in, in, in this demand response uh, uh, market. And the way how we do it uh, is basically using software robotics in a very kind of a unique way. So I can use this as again as an example. Mm-hmm. So, so um, you can see also behind me like a whole bunch of old <laughs> CPU yeah. uh, that are are ticking there. But but basically, uh, uh, even when it is very hard to integrate this into some cloud application with some gateway or something like that, there's always some way for an engineer to physically visit the 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 the, the, the site and then use some kind of a method for for uh uh programming it and and configuring it and understanding what's going on in the in the system so so uh we had already some exposure to this uh rpas or robotic process automation technologies uh, but we thought that, hey, this would be a very interesting new approach to use actually a combination of IoT and and robotics to, to kind of fake the engineer and integrate into this system using the ways how the local engineer would use it. And actually, this is a, maybe this is a slightly newer system. Uh, uh, from another Finnish, uh, Finnish manufacturer, okay. but this is a um, you know, freely programmable, basically like a small for smaller installations. So not just a huge uh, site, but but for maybe a, a, a building block or a, or a small uh, school or something like that and and the best way of kind of illustrate this is that you would as a engineer to to understand okay what are the current set points and what are the measurements and so on you would walk into the into the building and then you would start to use this device here to to kind of uh, uh use this one button that you can basically can use right, to navigate okay. and the then menu it up and down and so on.
1: Yeah, and then they, so s- they, they use that screen that, then to, uh, yeah. they, they see on the screen like the, the different...
0: Yeah, menus. they see on the screen all kinds of like things, what's going on in the building. So we would then basically just, uh, um, just a take the screen off. Mm-hmm. So you find that there is like this is a a thing that like it it connects to this thing via some kind of a connector. Okay. So we would then have this kind of an this is an off-the-shelf 4G RS232 gateway, which we would then basically just connect where the screen goes. Okay. And and now what this system contains is the, the kind of the meat of our, our, our product which is the um, different processes and kind of sequences of of, uh, of ways that what you could actually do with that with with this thing and it understands what information this is sending to the to the robot and and it can simulate what the the, the building owner operator would do in this in, in return and and the same thing then applies for pretty much like uh the old system you can find these similar user interfaces from things like trend and and mm. uh, old training mm. systems and so on so that's kind of the the core of of, of the innovation which is kind of shifts the, the 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 point of where is most of the effort mm. uh, done. So when you are in a traditional integration setting, you would go into the building, you would find some kind of a cabinet where you have the CPU and then bunch of IO cards. You would install a gateway to the IO line. Uh, then you would uh, try to find the documentation of what each of the Modbus registers in the I/O line actually mean, how you map them into the into the correct um, values. So, so for example, in in case of testing, there there isn't actually the the conversion from voltage or resistance to si units is done programmatically on the cpu mm-hmm. so you cannot kind of read that data automatically as si units from the from the IO bus. so you would go there and you would have all this this equipment and then you would um, set it up per substation it would take several hours probably at least to, to get the data reading happening and uh, Then if you wanted to control something, let's say that you wanted from the cloud, somehow send a signal to the system that, okay, turn off an air handling unit or something like that, you would need to then program it using the old tools into this system and and send a message to your gateway from from which this CPU could then read it. And that is... uh, so prohibitively expensive and time-consuming that it's usually never done to start.
1: Okay, and and hence why you get into this scenario where, you know, it's just stuff's just left there and um, no one does anything with it and it sits around and reaches end of life.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's actually with, like, if you look at the European Union, where there's, like, 220 million buildings that were built before 2001, and mm-hmm. they are now being renovated at the speed of, like, 1% per year. Uh, there is uh, also the kind of unknowing, uh, like, building owners don't exactly know what is the expected lifetime of a certain building. Is it going to be there for yet another five years or 10 years or 20 years or how long? So so they are also very wary of of, uh, of upgrading systems in buildings that don't necessarily, um, uh, that might not last as long as the proposed lifetime or the useful lifetime of the new automation. Yeah. Okay.
1: You don't want to waste with- money on investing in yeah. that new technology and then someone knocking the building yeah. down.
0: Yeah. So, what we try to do is to make it so that, okay, if you have a building that has an old automation system and you are going, you are positive you are going to demolish it next summer, we want to create kind of a world where it makes perfect sense to integrate it into energy optimization system now because you will save, I don't know, tens of thousands next winter before you demolish it.
1: Okay. So, even within that year, you can see some savings. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's really ingenious way. I mean, I mean this. um you call it again robotic?
0: Yeah, well, there's The term is a uh, robotic process uh, um, automation okay. RPA. RPA. But but what kind of sets? The, why we we call it or we use the terms of the robotics? Uh, because uh, the RPA is a very kind of uh, it's rooted in this for example financial sector and hr sector where where uh, there's a, a there's a, a role called of a, a rpa engineer or a consultant which usually comes and sits next to uh, some office clerk that is doing potentially repetitive work on their workstation, and they observe it for a while and then they spot that hey every twice an hour you copy the pdf from that folder and then you add it to your sap and you you annotate it with this kind of information and then you send an email so here's a thing that we could automate and then, then make a robot basically like a script mm-hmm. that you the user interfaces offered to this this person uh you to, to to automate this this particular task so what is different from us is that uh, compared to what what we do, is that there's rarely is anyone there in this building, like uh, a technical space, doing anything to the automation mm-hmm. system. So the, the user interface or the operator panel of the automation system sits there um, year after year. And, and, and at most is used to change some schedule, like once a year during the Christmas um, celebrations mm-hmm. or something like that in schools and so on. So we kind of repurposed this obsolete way of interacting with the old system to do pretty much everything on the system. So we are already done like uh, integrating these old Atmos Tech systems to platforms like Niagara. So, mm-hmm. in where they are used either for real time energy optimization or as a, this kind of a new supervisory layer, which is, by the way, another uh, interesting topic is the way how these old supervisory PCs are um, uh, causing like uh, gray hair when they are running like. Uh, end of life Windows uh, versions and and mining Bitcoin in some dusty uh, <laughs> dusty cleaning closet. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, we talked about control, okay? So, and that's a way of like then being able to change the way and obviously make it much more efficient to control these older systems. What yeah. about data? I mean, are you able then to also be able to get data out to use? Um, in let's say some cloud application or uh, data analytics platform
0: Yeah, so so yeah yeah we we are basically what the robot is doing is has these scheduled kind of ja- tasks or jobs that it is is on a on a clock that every minute go and read all these values or read all the analog sensor values every minute and read all the all the all the uh, alarms every half a minute and do these things in a certain in, with certain intervals and then it pushes the data to, to the cloud. Obviously we cannot get into the same kind of latencies and frequencies that you potentially could get with uh, with uh, uh, like proper uh, IO bus integration or something like that that can mm. hammer the system every 10 seconds like every second or so. But uh, this data is sent a cloud and and then there we do our best to kind of normalize it and and uh, we've done quite extensive um research on the usage of brick schema Mm
2: -hmm.
0: uh, uh, which is this ontology uh, of of building systems uh, and uh, and uh, we have some preliminary uh, good preliminary results on how we can kind of pause, parse the uh, data from the old automation system into this brick schema, And what kind of well, is there, there, it's that uh, it's a takes an entire blog or, or a podcast episode to talk about <laughs> the problems, labeling, IO cool. points, and probably already had uh, these kind of uh, talks, but but uh, what is kind of interesting from our point of view in in this data labeling or how to make this kind of independent data layer where you would have uh, semantically structured like how how the data what the data actually means so traditionally you have these point lists basically you have the you have uh, uh, It it consists of usually like the site identifier and then some system identifier and then some device name or device like what kind of is it a sensor is it an actuator and is it like a valve or a pump or whatever Mm -hmm. and then perhaps like a position in a process and that gives you this long string which is then like varied in a million different ways in different buildings and Mm -hmm. that's like site specific and year specific and, and country specific and vendor specific data, and only person that can reliably kind of decipher what's going on is the one who programmed it and then the one who has spent years like working on the building. Uh, and that's quite often only thing that is left that 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 someone who is tasked to to parse this data into some kind of a model. That's all they get. Mm. But what we are actually getting that is very rarely modeled in these automation systems is what it says on these menus. So we kind of get the contextual information. So there's like two different things going on in this, this system. There is what uh, what did... Uh, how are the points called mm. in, in the programming? and those follow these point label uh, structures and then there is okay what has the programmer tried to tell the user of this display so we can use that as an additional kind of a hint plus the understanding of the specific automation system so they have certain types of categories of points to do certain things so these are what helps us to to to, to normalize the data more than it would be feasible, perhaps in some other scenarios.
1: Okay, that's awesome. And you're still working on that? And you're going to be- Yeah,
0: probably... we, we, we're slowly working on that. Currently, our uh, main customer base is both in the building owner side, but in terms of the service providers, we work with, let's say, on a, traditional real estate uh, companies that uh, like would prefer their data in Bachnet and can't really have, or currently still have no way of utilizing these, these models. So, so we are not pushing it. The, the, the situation is still the, uh, pretty much the same that it was before that. There isn't actually that many companies and service providers that can fully utilize uh, 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 this brick schema uh, data model okay. to, to do something to the building. So so it's not that there is a huge demand yet, but I can obviously see that in the future it's going to be a good bit... thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you should. How do you...
0: How do, how, how... By the way, you, you you have a lot of. Uh, discussions with different service providers so how many uh companies or situations have you been where you really see kind of these semantic models being utilized in the kind of ideal way of what 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 the promise is for them
1: i don't know about like ideal way but i certainly have seen examples of like companies property uh portfolio owners who are who are using it and like um have uh, have have benefited from being able to normalize that data, but I agree. I mean, it's not not yeah. every customer is the same, right? You've got people who are sort of like the higher end of things, and then mm-hmm. more people who are don't have the budget, struggling a bit. You know, they've got other problems just
0: beyond normalizing data, right? Yeah. Um, but, but- what what I what I've kind of noticed in this data normalization is that it is very hard to model. an an existing system to the finest of detail using Mm -hmm. any of the existing systems so for example real estate core Mm -hmm. uh, very much kind of gives you the high level overview of the assets you have but it has very little ways of modeling the very complicated relationships that those assets have between one another in a building so then it's very kind of uh, you, you easily end up in a situation where you have nice-looking things that actually fail to describe uh, to, the, to the detail enough what's going on in the building that you could have an autonomous system that does some decision-making over that. Over okay, that
1: yeah. They're actually um, brick and uh, real estate core are um, yeah. normalizing. Yeah, I, I, I've
0: read about that uh, recently. That they create these things, and and, and there's something going on with uh, with uh, the as well. That that somehow kind of that has something, some kind of a link to Priek as well.
1: Well, um, uh, Backnet is sort of controlled, not the right word, but um, it, it's it's part of um, Ashray. ASHRAE are the, sort of the body yeah. that, that look after it, and Ashray are working on a on a yeah. on a on a standard to let me get this right two two three p i think which is yeah. uh, which is about this whole thing and i think they want to um create yeah. hopefully one uh, one i mean not that there needs to be w- just one uh data model yeah. but um that yeah. could that could well come out of those conversations
0: actually actually the packet is very interesting in, in terms like we we've um done this kind of a divide and conquer type of uh, way of solving the problems as they come but but we thought that okay well if we come up with a way of getting the old automation systems integrated to our cloud then we have all these mqtt and rest endpoints that we can throw around and everyone is happy but then we actually realized very soon that okay there are uh, potential partners and service providers that use things like Niagara to yeah. uh, then do, do something to those to, to that data. And it is awfully difficult to integrate like REST APIs in a scalable manner into these uh, th- to these software mm. systems that have been designed from the ground up from this kind of a building engineer's point of view and not from the cloud software merge point of view. So, so, like, it is easy for you to integrate a single REST API endpoint that gives you, like, weather data or something like mm, that. Yeah. The minute we want to connect, like, 200 points in a building that all are in their own separate kind of REST routes, then it's, it becomes, like, a, a nightmare for the yeah, system. So no, we absolutely. couldn't we couldn't get our data to the service providers, so we built this... Um, this kind of a reverse uh, system where now we have Linux machines running in our customers um, uh, uh, on-site premises in their uh, network where the Niagara is situated. And we send the data from our cloud as MQTT to the customer's site, or to the customers like the, the partner who is doing the optimization, we send it there. But on the Linux machine, we then uh, create these virtual bugnet devices out from the de- out from the data that are representing those things that the robots are controlling and then those are kind of exposed in their internal network as as like bugnet devices that actually don't exist but but looking at them you see what's going on in the building and if you make some change to it, that is translated into a message that then goes again, via MQTT to our cloud and from there to the robot that does the change. Okay. So that allows us to very efficiently get the data to the hands of the service providers. They know how to set up like a virtual machine or even like a Raspberry Pi in their internal network. That's what they know how to do. And then from there, you just have to press discovery on Miakara and you see all the stuff okay, that, right. that, that we can print. Together.
1: Nice. Billy, I could talk to you all day. It's fantastic, um, insight. And, um, I know this is a super complicated, uh, subject, but, um, thank you for like, you know, describing it to us. I think my last question to you is, um, you know, do you see the situation in five years changing? Like what, what do you, what do you see coming down the road? Um, we talked about normalization of data, but anything beyond that?
0: Yeah, well, um, uh, I, I think that the way how, uh, the, the evolution of a building control system is going to be very interesting and mm-hmm. in how, how, how it's going to look like in a few years' time, especially when you start to go this data model first, uh, describing actually not only always going from some internal data representation and, and, and struggling to convert it into this open and semantic model, but going and starting from the semantic model first and then building up from there. And, uh, <clears throat> but I think the systems are definitely going to get simpler. Uh, there is this saying that the, uh, of many of these kind of an old school system vendors are, are, are uh, marketing the automation system as the kind of a brain of a smart building Mm. while I try to think or I think it more as the kind of a lizard brain or the brain stem of the smart building. So it is supposed to keep it breathing, keep the like certain set of functionalities going on in the building, be easy to install, have as little semiconductors as possible, like having compact uh, uh, and a simple system that you can... uh, uh, easily upgrade and build uh, uh, and repair and so on, and have that to do with the basics in the building, and then have this higher uh, order um, optimization and, and things like that happening in the cloud mm-hmm. or in some other level, uh, preferably using these independent data layers in between, so that you can have like these service providers interacting and, and building owners have the possibility of kind of picking what and with whom they want to work with and change the service providers if they are not happy. Yeah. So, so something along those lines, I at least would hope that the, that the, that the, the future looks like. But uh, yeah, there's still a few years uh, uh, of this kind of a crunch where we just need to get things done very quickly like any uh it's a bit like nuclear power now it's very like it's a bit late to to save the world by building nuclear power plants because it takes so many years to get one running there's the same thing with these building building systems that that uh coming up with all these kind of super fancy things and, and making things even more complicated and so on it's just going to take too long, and we just need to get cracking and come up with ways of getting the optimization into the buildings. Mm. Um, uh, last week, if you cannot do it last month, so, <laughs> like just being better with so, what we have already. Yeah, so. that's that's exactly like reuse, uh, repurpose, uh, retrofit the things we have now, and, and and focus also focusing on on ways to scale it into the buildings that are not the the sexiest and fanciest city center building blocks that most of the carbon footprint is generated in these um, suburbs and, and and so on where you have buildings that are not so uh, so fancy but they still could be optimized and could be uh could, could be or are the kind of uh, the biggest kind of a uh, low-hanging fruit in 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 reaching the net zero, we just all kind of focused on on, on that. Exactly, that's
1: a great place to finish. Thank you so much, really Thanks for your um, your comments, and I really appreciate your time.